Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi there and welcome to everybody watching uh, the live Wednesday bulletin on the This Is Ibrooks Network. Um, just get the housekeeping out of the way first. Just always remember, give us a like and subscribe if you haven't done already on all the, the usual platforms. Anyway, today I am joined by Andrew Anderson. It's been a while, Andy. How are you doing? Very well indeed. Um, I say that. I'm still um, <laughs> over a wee cold here, a um, bit of a sore throat. And all the rest of it, like everybody's got it at the moment. But there's nothing like 90 minutes against Celtic in a League Cup final and four days' time to sort of throw it out. Yeah, it doesn't feel like four days' time, I'll tell you that. And uh, Patrick Caskey, how are you doing today as well? Yeah, yeah, well, thanks for asking. Not yet, probably as nervous as I expected, but we've got a few days for that to bubble up. Yeah, that's fine. It's good to see you on as well. I know the last time you were on uh, This Is Ibrooks, you were, you were staking out Edinburgh Airport looking for all the all the <laughs> signings coming in. So good to see you back back to the, back to the day job again. Uh, anyway, on today's show, we've got plenty to talk about. There's a couple of famous birthdays, which I know uh, well, both guests are pretty keen to talk about, about both birthdays. Um, a, a great result against Villarreal in, in the knockout stages of the Champions League. Um, there's lots to dissect from, from the Michael Beale press conference. Um, there was a couple of press conferences today. I don't think the Sakala one's officially been released yet. I know there's been bits and bobs in, <laughs> in Sky Sports that we've all seen, but um, we'll get into what Borna was saying to it as well. Um, we'll have a wee look at maybe the tactical side of things, how we expect Rangers to, to, to line up, how do we play differently than, than what we did the, the last time, is there things we need to change from, from the 2-2 game? Uh, and obviously the sort of headline of the podcast is, is where um, or who plays in the midfield because it, it looks like we may be a bit short. Um, what are our options and, and who do we think is going to be good combinations with, with who? Um, and uh, if there's time, maybe a wee, uh, there's an off-the-pitch article with, with Bizgrove, but 
only if there's time to cover that. Um, we'll start with you, Andy, on the on this day in 2006. Rangers draw 2-2 at Ibrox in the last 16 of the Champions League, um, having been the first team in Scotland um, to qualify for, for the last 16. Um, there was a couple of, couple of good goals that night from, from Villarreal, if I remember correctly. It was uh, Raquel May and, and Diego Forlan. And I know a lot of people say that Raquel made that, that performance that night. That's one of the best performances from an opposition player that they, they've seen from Ibrox. But um, there was also an own goal scored by Pena. No, not that one. And uh, that that amazing goal from from Peter Lovenkrantz. What were your what were your memories of, of of that night, Andy? Were you there? Yes, I was there. I was at that game. Um, it was a, it was a, a fantastic night. Probably one of the loudest I've, I've heard within Ibrox. To be honest with you. Um, possibly just surpassed the game against Inter Milan, which qualified us for the last 16. First Scottish team to get to the last 16 was a, a remarkable effort. Um, and it was a, a smashing time to be a Rangers fan during that period. I remember Lovingham's goal very well. It was it was fantastic. Am I right in saying what we went one Did they go 1-0 up early on? Then we equalised. And then 2-1 yeah. to them. Then it was a very late own goal. Am I right in saying that? I think if memory yeah, serves, yeah, it was a yeah. late own goal. Um but to be to be there was was absolutely fantastic. As I say, the last sixteen, it was it didn't get any better than that at the time. Um, only two years later, obviously, we got to the the UEFA Cup final. Um, but no, that was fantastic. And if memory serves me, was it one each in the return leg? One each yeah. in the return leg, but we were out and away goals. But Chris Boyter, a, a chance to clinch it. Am I, am I right in saying that? Mm-hmm. Um, that's just off the top of my head there now. But no, it was a fantastic night at Ibrox against Villarreal. But I really did enjoy the the inter game previous to to get there. You know. Yeah, it's one of those uh, iconic images of the. It's almost like the the Lundstrom celebration. They, they got the goal against Leipzig from from Peter Lovenkrantz mm-hmm. running away, just sheer ecstasy on a, on a football player's face. And I think I think you're right. I think it it was one one, wasn't it? Was it? Is that the game? Was it Ross McCormack or somebody like that scored for for Rangers away over? Or am I totally? I'm sure somebody in the comments will <laughs> will pick me up on that. Um, but there we go. Um, and. Uh, Patrick, to come to you, obviously there's a couple of birthdays um, today, uh, big famous birthdays in, in the world of Rangers. Uh, the first one here is Shota Avalazzi, who we wish his 50th birthday today. Um, he signed for Rangers in 2003 from Ajax. He played 132 games. He played 57 times for, uh, scored 57 times for Rangers, won two titles, two Scottish Cups and three League Cups. Um including a, a pretty important and, and memorable treble in there. Uh, a player who was really, really fondly remembered from from his, his time at Ibrox, if not his, when he gets, especially when he got his dancing shoes on. Um, you all know, know what that meant. But um, yeah, and he scored a really good goal in that, that Legends game last year. Um, what were your thoughts? I know you're a, a, a big a big uh, supporter and, and a lover of Georgian football. What, what what do you think about Shot Avalazzi then? No, I was going to say, it's also his, his twin brother's birthday who... They get mixed up quite a lot. They do some sketches in, in Georgia and Turkey about it. But I was going to say the only goal I actually remember him scoring, you got it to me, was the, the header last, in last year's Legends game, which was emblematic of a lot of the goals he seemed to have scored watching yeah. the Pirates as well. But he's one of a few players probably who can actually say he's like an icon for individual clubs. I don't want to say he's a Rangers legend just because we've had a lot of dialectical issues with the word legend this week, if anything. But I don't think anyone disagrees an icon. Also, Trabzon's for Alkmaar and Ajax, those are four like massive clubs. And Dino Tbilisi, where he started out. Um, I mean, great player, probably one we could do with now. Um, yeah. Obviously, teamed up with Zurab Kuneshvili to have a Georgian duo in the early 2000s. 
I, for one, I watch quite a lot of Georgian football. I know it's, it is quite weird, but there are quite a few who we could perhaps rekindle into the new shotters or whatever. But interestingly, I have a friend who works at Hull, um, and Shota Arvaladze was their manager just until he got um, sacked a few months ago, and he never shut up about Rangers. So he still likes <laughs> talks about it. So it's good to know that we've left a good print in his heart. So uh, people can rest assured that should he come back for the Legends game in March or in April when we're playing again, he, he'll probably come and score another header and enjoy it. Yeah, I totally agree. I, he, I don't think he's quite in that, that legend status, but he's certainly in that cult hero because I just he's a guy I loved and, and he played with a, a smile on his face and, and he gave everything when he played for Rangers and, and that's all you can ask for. Um, Andy, I know this is going to be difficult to do. I want you to keep this, I was going to say short as possible, but, but anything under half an hour I think we'll take at this point because I, I know having met you before and, and on this that like you could talk for days about this guy but uh the next guy is uh, brian loudrup we wish him a, a, a happy 54th birthday which uh, kind of blew my mind that he's only four years older <laughs> than shot actually when, when we're looking at it um but brian joined uh, for for uh, joined rangers um and what seems to be an absolute steal of the century for 2.3 million after he had spells at fiorentina ac milan and bayern munich he played 150 times for rangers scored 44 uh, goals in a blue shirt he won three league titles a scottish cup and a league cup before he moved down to chelsea um yeah just i open the floor to tell you what what your memories and, and thoughts and feelings of a guy who's commonly referred to as, as god round about the about ibrox there's so many memories, Kyle, of, of uh, Brian Loudrop. Interesting to hear Patrick there swerve the legend. The legend <laughs> word for under show Avalanche. That's an argument for a completely different time, but there can be no argument about Brian Loudrop. There can be absolutely no argument that he's a, a Rangers legend. Personally, when I think back to nine in a row, <clears throat> a few players' faces come to, come to mind, and that's Richard Goff, Ali McCoyce, and Brian Loudrop. And that's not because he scored the header at Tanadice to clinch the in a row. It's because of his involvement for the three or four years, 1948, I believe, um, the involvement with it all. He was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Now, I was thinking about it today when I seen it was his birthday, and you hear it around Ibrox, you hear it at away grounds, um, the Borna Barris, it sort of turns and goes. I've yet to see a player live who could turn from a standing start, turn a player and go quicker than Brian Loudrup with such ability, skill, fluidness it was absolutely fantastic and i feel privileged to be just just over the age of 40 so i witnessed them live um in my teenage years as, as such you know i feel very very privileged to to say that um and there's absolutely no doubt he's a rangers legend we've all seen we well, presume we've all seen the video doing the rounds today from the was it the intro to nine in a row the video or the mm -hmm. dvd but was it videos or dvds back then I can't remember. I'm really showing my age now. Um, Max Andy, I think. But not only seeing Brian Loudrop in, in, in that kind of montage, how animated Walter Smith was, I think, is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. That whole era, Walter Smith bringing him there. And we've all heard Ali McCoy's talk about he believes that we had Paul Gascoigne for the best bit of Paul Gascoigne's career. I probably agree with that. But we definitely had Brian Loudrop for the best of his career. I, I don't doubt that. He was absolutely fantastic. And the clubs he was at before, as you mentioned, Kyle, Bayern Munich, Fiorentina, AC Milan. Yeah. He went to Chelsea. Then Ajax, I believe. Did he go to Ajax as well? Very briefly, albeit, I think, that after Chelsea. I think you're right, yeah. So it just shows you the guy's ability. But no, you, you summed it up there. Um, God um, probably isn't a strong enough word. And legend isn't strong enough to, to, to describe Brian Loudrop. Um, you think a nine in a row. You think of Brian Loudrop and 
happy birthday to him. Yeah, I've got I've got a question for you. See, apart from that goal at, at Tanadice, um, what was your favourite favourite Loudrop goal? Against Celtic, it's got to be it's got to be against Celtic, hasn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Got to be. Um, actually, I probably enjoy uh, during that montage we just I just spoke about there. I think I enjoyed seeing him turning Celtic midfielders inside out, possibly <laughs> more than I enjoyed him scoring the goal against Celtic. You know, the one I'm talking about. Um, I think it was just fantastic to watch him. I'm very privileged to see I see him live. Um, obviously, you have to put your agent show there when you when you say that, but I'm happy to do it when you're talking about Brian Loudrop. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, I know we could we could go and fill the rest of the podcast talking about about Loudrop or or well Andy could anyway, um, but uh, we'll, we'll move on to to things a bit a bit more current and and we'll discuss the the Michael Beale press conference that happened yesterday at Hamden. Don't worry, there'll be no awkward pictures in any supporters of the other side of Glasgow sitting next to any of us tonight, so that'll be fine. Um, Patrick, I'll, I'll come to you first on this. Um, maybe a bit of an obvious question here, but um, there was something that I felt that, that he said w- was very interesting. Michael Beale highlighted that the League Cup, for some of the players in my squad, it's it's the one that's missing. Um, how important is this this League Cup for us in, in the sort of context of, of Rangers Football Club, given you know, the amount of trophies or, or lack of trophies that we've won in the last few years at, at the top level. Um, how massive a game is this for Rangers? Yeah, it, it, it's a massive game. I think we need to caution on not making it sort of do or die because if we big up to be the, the be-all and end-all, we might hear a few uh, saying that Beal should be sacked or whatever if he doesn't win. But no, th- th- there is a point in which this is bigger than your average Scottish League Cup final, which is obviously the, the, the smallest of the three, three trophies. But at this point, we'll take whatever we want. Obviously, the importance comes from the fact that our barometer is always should be our past and based on how good we were in the past. But recently, and just naturally, be with the team across the city in a contemporary status, and they've sort of outgunned us for the best part of like 15, 16 years when you look at it. Um, in the part of sort of completing the trophy hall for someone like Tav or Goldson, that would be nice. But I don't think that that'll be sort of on the precipice of their mind. They'll just be thinking about pure numbers, and I don't blame them. I think perhaps it's most important in the context that this is Beale's first big test. I, I want to put that in quotation marks just because obviously any any game, uh, especially sort of like Celtic at home, Aberdeen away, Hibs away, Hearts away, are tests. But if you look at a sort of one with great ca- um, caution and cautious in the sense that he kind of came to, to, to Rangers in, in November with limited pressure in the league. Uh, he, he was probably never going to win the league and he wasn't going to be judged on that. But the success in his first six to eight months is judged on his ability to pick up trophies out with the league. And this is the first big challenge, uh, you would think as well, given the fact that this is slightly later than, than it usually is. I think the League Cup last year and, and usually is in like December, it's before the, the winter break, um, that if you win this, you get real momentum in both the Scottish Cup charge and perhaps might add a tiny bit more pressure to Celtic in, in the inevitability that they may drop points. So I think it's more so important for putting numbers up, starting as his reign with this sort of numerical numerical marker. But I also think it is just as important as the fact that if we want to extrude all sort of pressure on Celtic in the league and look really good for the Scottish Cup, we kind of have to win this in a momentum sense. Yeah. Oh, I th- memory serves me right. Um, there's been there's been cup finals that have been much, much later than, than what they were originally planned to be. I think <laughs> there was one in particular that I remember that was about a year, year and a half after it was meant to be played. But we'll, we'll leave that for another time. Um, 
Patrick, I'll, I'll stick with you on, on the next point here. Um, the next thing that Michael Beale was asked about in the press conference, as per every Blinken press conference that he's involved in, was the injury list. He says there's no real positive news. Um, none of the boys have returned to training, so he's talking about Jack Lundstrom um, and Tillman. I think he sort of mentioned maybe Arfield was expected to come back uh, a wee bit later on. I know towards the end of the podcast we will get into midfield combinations who do we who do we think is best suited um to what roles and and who should play alongside each other but what do you feel about this from Beal? do you think this is a bit of smoke and mirrors a bit of the old because i know it's something walter smith loved to do in his press conferences we say he's injured and then he would be playing um playing the next game um do you think this is Beal showing a wee bit of experience a wee bit of cleverness here or do you think he is just being as honest as he always is in these press conferences no, no, I think if one thing is testament to, to sort of Michael Beale press conference experience as so far is honesty, almost to the point which I see a lot of people thinking he should be media trained, which is quite funny just because I think we would be complaining and we were complaining at length, or not not me, but I guess if we talk about the, the communal or greater range sport about the sort of lack in enthusiasm and honesty in the Van Bronckhorst interview. So I guess it's a, a Goldilocks thing in which we want a bit of both. Uh, and I think it's only something people care about when we're not winning. So uh, hopefully, could it be we win on Saturday? He'll, people will be sort of microscopically dissecting his press conferences. But no, I do think it's him being honest. Obviously, there hasn't been a track record. I wouldn't say it's honesty in the sense, but there has been a few in, in the past, whether it be John Suter was supposed to play against, say, Johnston, or Lawrence was a bit closer, or Yilmaz was two weeks away, and the two weeks has gone and passed. I think it's more so on the basis of the sort of dynamic injuries they have in which not all injuries have a set timeline and small sort of mini tweaks that you think would only push someone back three or five days, which you might not need to disclose just because if you told them eight weeks and it's eight and a half weeks versus eight weeks, mm -hmm. no one's going to complain. But I think it's the fact that we have dynamic injuries in which people are consistently sort of picking up small ones. It's kind of symptomatic of injury-prone players like John Suter, sadly, and it seems like with Tom Lawrence, but that might just be hopefully isolated with this knee injury or calf injuries he's got. But no, I don't think it, it's gamesmanship. In the biggest sense, it could be for someone like Tillman or Jack or Lundstrom who have been playing consistently the last weeks and they might be touch and go just on the basis that he might think that it sort of put it in the, in the mind. More so, I think the Celtic fans, because I don't think Ange and the Celtic coaching team are of the are of the lack of quality in which they would sort of game plan for one eventuality and not put any thought into other things. They've shown that they're a good coaching uh, group, and I would hope that the Rangers coaching group would do the exact same, and I would expect them to. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. There. Um, it's it is interesting. I, I'll ask a, I'll ask a similar question of you, Andy. Teddy Beer here here says I don't think Michael Beale plays those games. Sadly. Um, it's something that's maybe been levelled at him a wee bit that he has come across at times as a wee bit inexperienced and given away a wee bit too much. Where, where, where do you stand on it all? Do you agree with, with Patrick in that he is and, and teddy bears that, that he's, he's not that type of guy or or would you not be surprised at all to end up seeing a, a midfield trio of, of Tillman, Raskin and Lundstrom or something like that? I am... Um... I'm going to surprise you and go right down the middle and say it's a 50-50 chance with this one, Kyle, and I'll tell you for why. He states that he didn't come back to training today, and he, this was yesterday, and he, he expected them to be, and they're not going to be. He did then mention, he went on to mention that some of them might declare themselves fit near the time. You've got to remember it's a Sunday 3 o'clock kickoff. If they declare themselves fit tomorrow, can they get two days of training? Is that going to get them to 80% fit? Is that, is that going to make them start? Possibly. So I think... Um, the news was true that he said, because I believe he, he is very, very honest. He has been honest. We've all said that. 
Um, I think that's that's true, but I do think up his sleeve, he does expect a couple of them to be back near the end of the week. I think that's the way it's going to be. We won't know until Sunday, um, but I do think it's worth gambling on a potentially 80-85% fit John Lundstrom or 85% uh, fit Malik Tillman. I think it may be worth a gamble. We'll get into that shortly, I'm sure. Um, but as it stands, I think he was telling the truth uh, yesterday, Tuesday. Um, but I do think he expects them back prior to Sunday and for them to declare themselves fit. Yeah, it is an interesting one. Curry Muncher here says, I'm not going to criticise Bill for being open. We spent last season, last season screaming for info because we weren't told anything yet. It's just, it's funny. I, I went and the other day, I went and watched a, a Van Bronckhorst press conference just, just to see what it was like back. And it, it's just, it's so contrasting. They're like six, seven minutes long, just very. Very Dutch answers, just straight to the point, no messing about, nothing really given away, and it's. I, I, I we can't complain if he is open and honest because because that's what we've been we've been asking as as supporters for years. Um, Patrick, the next few points I'll come on in here, and I can see everybody in the comments, so I will I will go back and, and bring a couple of comments up here. Um, but I know you were you were posting this on on Twitter today, and you had some good good stuff in the the graphs comparing Roof to to a certain. Uh, forward at Celtic was it was it Kyogo Furahashi, I think maybe. Um just sort of indicating it. But yeah, having a well he's he's injured again from from all um intents and purposes. Uh, I'm a massive fan of of Roof as I've said before in the podcast. I, I, I loved him when he was at Leeds. I, I saw him a couple of times at Leeds and I, and I still couldn't believe at the time when, when we signed him. Um I'm seeing quite a lot of comments about you know getting rid of him in the summer because of his quite Sporadic availability. Um, where do you stand on this? Would you would you keep him till till the end of his contract? Do you think he's he's a worthwhile asset to have around, even though he's got as much uh, injury problems as he does, or, or or would you let him go in the in the summer? No, I, I would let him go, uh, even even for sort of no transfer fee. I think we're at the point in which it's diminishing returns as so far as he's been fit for one one and a third season of the three years so I think and obviously that came as the first one post-Covid he had a pr- prolonged break in between Anderlecht as well so he's had plenty of time then to, to sort of get fit and, and ready to play but but yeah I, I think he's also on things I think one of our higher earners depending on how much validity you give to sort of shady reported salary websites you get online saying he's worth <laughs> earning something like 25 or 27 thousand pounds which I mean, that sort of checks out in the fact that he was brought in as a, as a starting striker on the, on the basis that Morales might have left to Lille that summer. But yeah, I, I think I would get rid of him, especially if someone was willing to offer us money, 100%. But I, I think we're beyond that. I think the, the sort of market you look at for Roof is sort of upper championship and those clubs have become a lot more streetwise. We can't just sort of say, oh, player name, and we can throw them down to some sort of stupid English club because there, there are sort of not that many stupid good clubs in, in the English championship could afford him. When he's yeah. fit, he's obviously uh, more than good enough to sort of pay, sort of be worth his wages and start for us. But the question is availability versus ability. And we're at the point in which we might see Morelos leave. Um, so we're really going to have to sort of dig up the roots and set what we want for the next sort of three to five year period. And I don't think Roof, even if he does stay to end his contract, we're definitely not extending it. Even if he was to do on some sort of pay to play basis, which seems to be extinct at this point, he wouldn't be going forward. So if you can get him on some sort of wage cut off in the summer, I think you do so. Yeah, <clears throat> I definitely shouldn't have admitted that I rewatched a 
Van Bronckhorst press conference. I'm getting absolutely panned in the comments, and quite rightly so. Uh, that's the last one I'll ever, ever, ever watch. And I, I did it for the good of the podcast, and nobody should go back and watch them again because they are they are quite boring. Um, Andy, I, I asked you the exact same question there. I, I'm I'm genuinely surprised, Patrick, that, that you said that, that, that you would let him let him go, um, given that when he is fit and he plays, he, he scores or he gets an assist or something that you know, especially the, he was super important. I don't. I, there's maybe an argument we're not in this final against uh, Celtic if, if he doesn't come on um, against Aberdeen. Where, where do you see Roof? Is he a guy you would have um, keep at the club despite his injury problems? Uh, no, probably not. Um, not anymore. I'm just I'm, I'm scunnered for want of a better expression with it all. Kylie, <laughs> the Aberdeen, the Aberdeen semi final kind of sums it up. You know, comes back to a return, scores a goal, gets injured, and you don't see him for a few weeks again. Um, it's looking very likely that it's going to it's going to happen again if if the rumours are if the rumours are true. So we'll see what uh, happens come Sunday. But there's no there's no getting away from how effective he is. He's absolutely fantastic. He's possibly got the best movement of. All the other strikers, Morelos and Cholak and Roof, I think he's got the best movement. He's the most kind of agile, if you like. Um, I think back to Braga last year. He scored about nine goals that night. Only one of them counted. Um, he just shows you how, how important he is, you know. But he, he can't be paying somebody that kind of money, if rumours are true again, um, to play one game in every eight or nine. It's, it's unacceptable for Rangers. The only thing I will say is it would be... It would be more than frustrating to see him go down south, you know, back down south to a championship level team and have a season or two injury free. Yeah. Um, it would be more more than uh, frustrating that would because I do value him. I do think he's a fantastic player and a fantastic asset if fit, and that's the key. If fit, if Sunday proves to be true that he's not going to be involved and he can't be involved, I'm sorry to say it's time to go. Yes, I think everybody in the comments are are agreeing with both you guys. I think uh, maybe I've just got the the roof blinkers on and need to take them off for a second. For for what it's worth, I would I would I would keep them in and around the club despite them being it being a high earner. Because if you look at you know there, there's going to be players that are out of contract and we're going to shift on to the end of the season. So I think there will be a fair um, a fair amount of money to to have uh, for for using in wages at the end of the season. Rangers and two are here jumps up and he says Roof is like Ryan Robson, <laughs> amazing player but just cursed with injuries. I think that's a, a fair comparison. Um Andy, I'll, I'll stick with you in the next point here. Um it's just, you know, to finish in the press conference, Bill talked uh you know, I love him when he talks about the Scottish game. He's one of the few managers that I feel really, really talks it up. Uh talk magnificently about about the rivalry and obviously he's experienced some some big, big uh, rivalries across world football when his time in England at Liverpool and Chelsea and uh, when he was over at Sao Paulo as well. Um, do you think that we're selling ourselves a wee bit short here? Um, I've seen quite a few people criticising uh, you know, the kickoff time, three o'clock on a Sunday, clashing with the with the rugby. I don't know if the hero care um, on about the rugby. Um, but yeah, just surely we've got to be doing a wee bit better to, to, to promote our, our game a bit more. Uh, possibly, I think uh, probably that's true, Kyle. Um, Bill does a good job of that. Bill, Bill talks very, very highly of Scottish football and the old firm game. Um, he spoke about that very respectfully. I thought he mentioned two or three times during this whole press conference just how much quality is in the Celtic team um, and how much quality is in both teams and how much of a spectacle it can be and the, the colour it will be involved. I did find it interesting, though. I, I, I don't know the journalist's name, but they were pressing him quite forcefully on 
Um, first of all, the rivalry, and he answered it very diplomatically, I thought, as he always does, and honestly. Um, but that wasn't enough for, for said journalist who, who then decided to ask him what the fans thought of each other. What do you want? It's the headline you're wanting here, do you know, just a soundbite. That's, that's obviously always wanting. Beal handled it absolutely perfectly, as he always does. Um, the kick-off time, three o'clock on a Sunday. I would like to be a wee bit earlier, but that's a selfish reason. I would like, not nothing to do with the rugby. I do enjoy the rugby. Um, but it's more more to do with the fact that it's another three hours to kill. Normally it's 12 or half 12 for an old firm game. And by the time you get up and you, you get organised, you see the team, you've not got long to go, you know, until you until you get to sit down and watch the game. It's just another three hours. So selfishly, I would rather it was a wee bit earlier. Um, but I don't know how much more Michael Beale can do to talk up our game. I think he does very, very well. Um and I'm very surprised at you, Kyle. I know you've done it for the good of the podcast, going over Geo's when I do press conferences, but I struggle to think if I watched one start to finish the first time round, let alone going back over it. Um, Michael Beals in a completely different um, kettle of fish to that. And it's very refreshing, I think. And I know a lot of folks say he's too honest, but when you're wanting somebody to be an ambassador or champion your club, he's the perfect the perfect man. I, I do laugh at his accent, though. He's Sometimes certain words he comes out with, he's... He's almost like Mickey Flanagan. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely priceless. Certain words, yeah. you know, it's very similar to Peter Lovencrans when he talks about Rangers. He talks with an accent, obviously. Yeah. He brings in the odd Scottish word. I think Michael, Michael Beale's a wee bit like that. But no, I think the, the game could be talked up a bit more. It could be more prevalent, perhaps earlier or on a Saturday. But if you're wanting somebody to talk up the game, Michael Beale's your man. Yeah, 100%. Um Patrick, I'll, I'll come on to the next wee, wee point here. It was uh, Borna Barisic had a had a go in the the press conference today. Um, the the man with the with the deepest voice in, in Scottish football. I feel like I've got to turn the volume all the way up on my my headphones whenever I'm listening to him. Um, but he appeared to be quite confident, which which was good to see. Um, he's he's a player we all know. He's he's one of these guys that that is a confidence player. If he if he's full, you know believes in himself, we can really see the best of him. Um, how important do, do you think it is that it's good that we see a confident Borna Barisic going into, going into the game on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I mean important because, I mean, I think obviously the last or, or last two years we have, we've probably been more more games where we've been worse than Salty than better and that's sort of emblematic by the scoreline and whatever sort of metric you want to use. I think Borna Barisic has probably been one of the poorest players especially in the consecutive 4-0 defeats both in January 22 and August 22 is that him and whoever who's ever in goals is John McLaughlin and Alan McGregor split the two games and he's been really poor in those games obviously he's uh, in the last two months sort of brought his form up to something more sort of recognisable in the sense of like the 2019-20 season the 2021 season it's still not the perfect option I just think there's a sort of natural tension between his game and, and what Beal want but it's fine we're sort of making do square pegs and round holes, and he's doing really well as, as a square peg and a round hole. As for Celtic, I, I think he needs to, the only way he comes out of the game playing well is if he does more on the offensive game um, than that he allows his sort of counterpart winner. Who I don't know who actually play on the right for Celtic because they do like to sort of train, change it. Probably be Dyson Maida, you'd expect on the basis that he was pretty good in the general firm. He's been quite good. But then Abada also gave Barisic a hell of a time in, in past games, so I think that would probably be one of the questions in which if we were, if we were a Celtic podcast, thankfully we're not, that you'd probably yeah. discuss. But I do think he'll probably struggle defensively regardless of who it is. I think even against a sort of just slightly above average winger, he's not the best. 
Um, so when you get against one who's very good, admittedly, he'll struggle even more so. Uh, but I think if he manages to sort of counteract that by putting in some good crosses, because he really does live and die by the cross. If Barris plays well, he crosses the ball well. If he plays poorly, he crosses the ball poorly. So uh, if he's confident, he's always one who's sort of stoked the fire in the crowd. I remember when we played young boys at home in, in the last game of the Group stage in 2020, he goes up to the young boys crowd and sort of gives them some gestures. So that's sort of emblematic of the fact that he, he enjoys it and he enjoys these sort of games. So hopefully we see the confidence throw, flow throughout the 90 minutes and it doesn't waver um, because obviously we need to be a confident team uh, to get the best out of it. Yeah, um, Andy Craig, uh, Andrews here says, everyone of our team should be going into this game confident, but it won't be easy. Completely agree with that. It's always good to see a a confident son of the moth when he's gone into these things. Um, something that was mentioned quite a, a, a few times in both press conferences um, was in regards to the final in 2019. We all know about that, the offside goal. Um, but they were talking about using that the loss and the, the hurt from that as a kind of to motivate themselves from this one. Is this? Do you think that's a good source of motivation for, for the squad and the team? I think so. I think it has to be. Um... Especially Michael Michael Beale mentioned in his press conference that box to box Rangers were fantastic that day, and that's 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 true. You think of the missed opportunities Morelos had, missed penalty. Um, the game was there to there to be won, and it should have been won. So box to box, he's, he's he's on the money. They, they were fantastic that day. So to lose it in such a manner, I think they're going to have to use it um, as a wee bit of a I can uh, kick on from that. But that said. It's a completely different Celtic team. I think you're going to see, you know, um, it's going to be most um, a lot more similar to January. Just gone January the second there. I think it's very important that first of all we start well. I think that's the most important thing. We didn't start well in January. Michael Beale mentioned that mm-hmm. um, we could we could have started a hell of a lot better. And to this day, I mean, the debate around James Tavernier will be ongoing, and it's not something I'm going to get into tonight. But that that ball in the first four minutes should have been in beside me in the Eastern Closure. It was 70-30 his ball. Me either shouldn't have won it and they were on his score. Interestingly, and I think um, as a positive, Celtic are known for scoring early and going on and kicking on and, and giving teams doings, ourselves included, once or twice. Um, that didn't happen. So that shows the mentality, which Borna Barris has mentioned in abundance in his press conference, the mentality to go 1-0 down early to Celtic and, and bring it back, and albeit end up drawing the game and only taking a point, I think, rather sadly. Um, so, no, I think 2019 must, they must use that. They, they must use that. A lot of the same players are there and that game was, was left out there on the pitch and should have been won. Such were the chances. And I think Morelos, Bill, Barisic, Tav, they'll all use it and, and so they should. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'll stick with you on, on the next few point here, Andy. Um, it's... It's how important do you think Barisic will be on the team on uh, Sunday, given that for me, I think he's been one of our, our most consistent players, even looking back at the, the GVB reign at the start of the season. He was putting in good numbers. I think he has got our, the most amount of assists. I think he's done like 10 assists for a former left-back, which is, which is, again, pretty good. He scored two goals, which is, I think, is equal to his best ever tally for, for Rangers in a season as well. Um, do you see him as, as being an important player, given that if he doesn't you know, go into himself and, and it's somebody that we need to utilise against Celtic? Yes, he's important for two reasons. Number one, um, he's got to start well and play well. And if he starts well and plays well, the cross that he's got on him 
is is going to be very, very important. There's no secret that Carter Vickers and Starfelt, they'll start the centre half for Celtic. You're going to have to have somebody with pinpoint accuracy with a ball coming in there, and, and Barisic can do that. Um, secondly, it's going to be important because if it's not going our way, he tends to shy away from it, I find. Um, a lot of people give him stick for a couple of things that have happened. Patrick alluded to it, um, and quite rightly so. Um, quite rightly so. I think he's done enough to earn back the respect and the support of the fan base, and I think he has, definitely, largely anyway. Um, but he's going to be very, very important. Both sides, I think, are going to be important. Both both centre, uh, both fullbacks are going to be very, very important. Barisic for his crossing and Tavernier for his going forward, I think, is going to be very important. If you can get four, five, six balls in from Barisic, two of them quality, we need to make them count, and I think that will, will be very important. Tavernier the same on the other side, but he's got to start well. I've never seen Barisic start a game poorly and come on to a game. I think he's got to start well and keep it going from there, and he just keeps going and going from there. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Patrick, uh, Andy brings me on to my <laughs> to my next point quite quite nicely. Um, keen to get your thoughts on this because when when Bill came in, this was something that I thought that he would make a bit a bit more use of. I think we've maybe seen a bit more of the fullbacks certainly compared to to GVB. But I, I, how have you felt that that Tav and and and, and Barisic are, are, have been under Bill? Um, I was maybe expecting them to be. A bit more further forward uh, when they've been playing, um, or I'm sure you'll tell me. Uh, how do you think the two of them will play at the weekend? No, I don't think we'll see much deviation. I think even between the three managers we've had in the past four or five years, the sort of changes have been tweaks, if that. And I guess the starting position, what they do out of possession, and sort of what ability to roam. I think what we've seen with field come anecdotally, we've seen the sort of classic. One of them in the corner and the other one in the penalty box style, usually Borna Barisic and then Tavernier in the penalty box. We've seen that a few more times. That went missing completely against Van Bronckhorst. I don't think you could say that's a bad thing because I don't think many coaches would set up their team to have their fullback as a penalty rece- penalty box receiver whilst the other crosses the ball, but it's good yeah. for us. The more, the more men in the penalty box, the better. As for this game, I don't think it's that important. I don't think the game will be won or lost by our fullbacks just on the basis that um, Celtic Swinger is going to push our fullbacks back quite a bit as well. It'll be a game of cat and mouse on both. I think that the wings are perhaps equally stocked from both teams, especially given the form. Barris is playing well. Tavernier is very good. Obviously, Greg Taylor is playing really well for Celtic. Um, I don't know who's going to play right back for them. That might be a big question. And hopefully, Kent, whoever is he, whoever he is facing mm-hmm. up to, will get the better of them. But equally, Celtic Swingers are, are very good. So I think the game won't be won and lost there. I think the momentum and who's able to push each side fought back and forward or on the wide channels will be important. But I think this sort of in most derby games, you see it sort of the injured room in the central central sort of channels and half spaces where the, where the game is won, especially for a Beal side who likes to invert his um, sort of wingers and make them play quite narrow. And for mm-hmm. Celtic sides whose uh, fullbacks in possession almost play like central midfielders, how they invert. So I yeah. think obviously it would be nice to see Bourne or Tav get a ball from out wide. And for us to be reminded about how uh, how well stocked we are in uh, our fullbacks and how they are such a sort of mass in terms of creating chances and stuff like that. I think they both have our highest assists and expected assists out of any players, which is great. And I think they're three and four in the league in total. But I do think, as we'll allude to later, the centre midfield situation is probably more dynamic and, and sort of cautionary to, to a win or a loss. Yeah. Totally back that up as well. Um, Andy, Rangers on tour here has a wee point. Ben Davis is crucial. Goldson and Borna, trust him. Shows you how important it is to have a, a balance at the back. I think 
I agree with that. It's good to see, you know, that the difference that is having a left-sided left-centre half there. But it's been no coincidence that the back four or five have been fairly settled since Beal came in. Um, we know that he said that he rushed Goldson back maybe a wee bit for, from his injury a wee bit, but it's been super important. It, it's not been a coincidence that Rangers have been such a good run of form and, and, and the back five have been virtually the same, apart from the goalkeeper in, in, in most games. Definitely. Um, I've been crying for a set, uh, we've all been crying for a settled back four or five um, for God knows how long, and, and we, we seem to have it now, and they seem to be doing reasonably well. Sometimes I think we can be a wee bit rabbit in the headlights sometimes, but I think that's more to do with how often we have to defend. Sunday's going to be different. Sunday will have to defend a hell of a lot more than normal. I did look at the stats um, on the from the game in January the 2nd there, and Celtic had 64% possession, something like that, but we had more shots in target and more shots overall, so they're definitely doing something, something correctly. And I think it's interesting to see the partnership between Goldson and Davies develop. And I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying seeing that develop. I know we've got Suter and we've got Hellander and we've got King there, but even if they were available, would they put these two out of the team? I really don't think so. They're going to be very, very important on um, on Sunday. Michael Beale alluded again in his press conference to the fact that the games have played lately. He's talking mainly about Raskin and Cantwell, I suppose, that we've had most of the possession and Sunday will be different. And it will be, he's exactly right, it will be different and we're going to rely heavily, I think, on Goldson and Davies, especially the reading of the game. It's going to be very, very important. Yeah, it will be, it will be interesting. Um, Patrick, I'll come to you in the next wee um, discussion point here. Um, I think it was something that we've mentioned earlier on in the podcast and, and Brian Loudrup in, in one of his articles in the newspaper said that Rangers have got to utilise the, the pace of, of Kent and Sakala. Is this something that we need to, to look at, um, given that I, I felt that Sakala, especially in the game last year at the end of the season, away to Parkhead, when he got his goal, he was superb and, and really caused them issues when he came on. Um, and same for Ryan Kent. Uh, you look at the goal that he scored in the last game, that came from him. Uh, attacking out wide, using his pace and a, and a fantastic finish. Do you see this as something that, that, that we'll utilise uh, against Celtic at the weekend? Yeah, well, I would definitely bet on that being the starting win pair. Um, Sakala, I think, has probably been the best Rangers performer uh, in the sort of post-GVB and even in Van Bronckhorst's era. Rangers, uh, you saw, obviously, he didn't score, but he forced Starf up for the on-goal in the cup, final, cup semi-final last year. He got two assists in January and he scored against Celtic in last April. And I think sort of his chaotic nature engenders sort of chaos in the Celtic penalty box. Uh, it's interesting, even though Hart, Starfeld, and especially Starfeld have played for so long together, they are still prone for communication mishaps. I think you saw that against Aberdeen as well. It's also emblematic of their lack of ability on the ball, which is surprising given how much possession they are seeing, but they're kind of coddled um, with the rest of the system allows them to do that. But Sakala especially, I think Kent given the fact that Taylor is good on the ball, but he's a physical misnomer in the sense that he just has sort of very average physique for the SPFL, not even for sort of European level. So Kent will hopefully well take advantage of that in a sort of pace and strength aspect. Sakala less so, especially if Johnson plays. Johnson is really quick and has great stamina. Um, Ralston less so, but I'd assume Johnson will play. So the physical matchup there will be less favoured than the left side, but I still think Sakala is the more dynamic athlete than Johnson. So from a pure athletic POV, we should probably take advantage on the sides, but also on the fact that both are good dynamic runners, like to cut in, 
um, Kane also finally got a, another goal against Celtic. He obviously started his Rangers career against Celtic really well. Obviously, the classic uh, goal at Parkhead in 2019 um, when he scores late and obviously we end up losing that game, sadly. Um, but he has then reignited his sort of form with that goal in January and he looked great. He's also looked a bit better in the past few weeks. And Sakala as well, it's not just, it used to be he would play well, play not very well, but now he's sort of consistently sort of embedding, putting together and threading these performances. And I think post Beal appointment outside of Tillman, he might be the best player and probably certainly the best member of the front three, I would say. So I think those two will be important, uh, but with any game against higher quality opposition, it's about sort of breaking the central lines and getting the ball to them and giving them the proper um, artillery to then fire. Yeah, exactly. Both those players will be really, really important against Celtic, especially Sakala. I just, oh, I, did, I really hope he does. I've got a wee feeling that he's just going to do something. He's due. I say he's due a goal. He scored whatever it was, five or six goals in the last few games and, and had quite a few assists as well. So I'm I'm just expecting a, one of these ones where everybody's got their head in their hands and then he's left foot, right foot, bang, right in the top corner. Um, Andy, the, the next point to, to discuss, and, and, and I know there's been, been lots of chat about this on social media, is how the, the sort of centre of the park is going to be um, against Celtic at, at the weekend. Um, obviously, we, we had alluded to earlier on um, that Jack Lundstrom and Tillman um, maybe not be fit for Sunday. Um, what's your thoughts on, on that midfield three of, of Cantwell, Raskin and, and Kamara if they do play? Um, Raskin and Kamara in particular, it was a bit of a mixed bag the last podcast I was on um, at the, or, or whenever we were talking about the, the Livingston post-match. Um, some people seem to think that Kamara didn't have a good game. I, I personally felt that, that him and Raskin complemented each other quite well. I agree with that, actually. I thought they did, they did do okay. Um, but when it comes to against Celtic, I, I would like John Lundstrom to be fit, I'll be honest with you. I would like uh, to see a midfield of Tillman, Raskin and Lundstrom. And the reason is January. I thought um, Lundstrom was fantastic in January. And, and when he went off, we sat back a bit, a wee bit deeper. Like, Callum McGregor, more time in the ball. And that's when they kind of flow change near the end of the game. Second half, we came out, the trap's flying. Sakala had a, a big bit to do with that. Ryan Kent, obviously, as Patrick just said. But I think Lundstrom was very important in that as well. Um, Kamara, I would love to see Kamara. Tynecastle Kamara, yes. Um, but other Kamaras, possibly not. He's too hot and cold for me in a game. A cup final, I think, is obviously very important. Mm. I would like to see Raskin and Lundstrom with Tillman. But that's obviously injury dependent. Um, Jack, I don't, if there's one of them not going to make it, it's going to be Ryan Jack, let's face facts. Um, we're used to Ryan Jack's injury was. Um, a lot of folk do. I was talking to my friend this evening. He says he would play Raskin and Jack in front of the defence. You know, as a, as a kind of holding midfield players, I would play Raskin and Lundstrom. Um, I don't know what Patrick thinks, but I just don't think we're guaranteed Tynecastle Kamara. I think we can... Yeah. Be hot or cold, you know. If we were guaranteed ten Castle Kamara, it's a no-brainer. He's in there, um, but I think it's a game for John Lundstrom. Yes, if if he's fit, I, I don't think I would have any qualms about that. Love to get your thoughts on on it, Patrick, especially um, Nicholas Raskin since he came in. I know he was a player that well, we all were delighted when he came in 
Um, but I know he's somebody that you'd, you'd been highlighting for for the past sort of 18 months but before he joined. How, how have you felt that, that he's um, settled into the squad so far, even though he's only played, what, a game and a half or, or a couple of games or something like that? But he really seems to suit, suit the profile that, that Rangers need in terms of that snappiness, in terms of the... Well, what I've been impressed with watching him is, is when he gets the ball, wins it back, his first thought is, is to look up and, and he drives forward and it, and it could be something really key. First of all, that and who do you think out of all the midfield players that we've got would complement him the best sitting in that sort of two in the, the sort of holding midfield role? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the early signs have been overwhelmingly positive in reference to Raskin. I think he's probably transitioned what we saw in Belgium, especially this season, immediately, which was always going to be a big question given the fact he hadn't played pre-World Cup. So he's sort of, obviously, he's a professional footballer. He'll be doing tons of uh, training. I think he was with the B team laterally on the basis they were trying to freeze him out, but even just personal training. But it's two or three months without sort of competitive A team football. So it's going to be a question if he could come in and, and do it immediately. And, and he has, he's fit in really well. Glove like, I know it's a sort of cliche, but he has been quite glove like. To be fair, he hasn't played the greatest of teams so far, but obviously this will be the, the, the big test first up. And he said in the uh, press earlier in the week that he's looking forward to it. He loves playing in big games. Uh, We've seen it in, in, in Belgium. There's sort of it's a more balanced league once you have five or six very good teams, and he's always put up when playing against the likes of Club Brugge, Genk, Genk, Anderlecht, and so on. I would definitely play him, uh, barring any injury. Hopefully not. I think we have enough injuries to deal with, but I definitely play him uh, as the sort of eight, so the sort of more advanced player in, in a double pivot. Um, I would. I also ideally play Tillman as my ten, but if he's not there, I'd play Cantwell. But I would only play Cantwell if Tillman isn't fit, just because. I think Catmull on the wings is less effective than either Kent or Sakala against Celtic, for example. And then as a six, I think it's, I would play Kamara personally. I understand why someone would like Lundstrom in this. If you think of sort of the big highlights of what Lundstrom has provided when he's been good in the last uh, 18 months, which for, to me hasn't been enough to, to warrant him starting, but he's sort of the more classical, what we've seen in yesteryear in, for Rangers in the old firm, the more battler, larger, dogged, perhaps more physical outright in which people think and rightfully so we'll need to sort of win the game by battling and I understand that but I think just given how Celtic set up their midfield isn't mighty behemoths it's more so technical players who probably get Hatate or Riley and McGregor or Mori thrown in there I think Kamara's skills are perhaps more uh, appropriate I do understand Andy's hesitations insofar as Kamara has been quite inconsistent but I think the game is one on their ability to retain the ball and break the lines uh, and move from the sort of middle to final third. And I think Kamara offers far more than either Jack or Lundstrom in that capacity. But I also wouldn't blame someone if you want the, the Lundstrom sort of go and kick someone because that will rattle a team up. And as much as it's sort of old-fashioned, uh, that's a really good way to build momentum is sort of get that first tackle in. Yeah, 100%. There's nothing that gets uh, an old firm uh, game going like a, like a tackle. Uh, I think the, the go-to, the gold standard for that is Kevin Thompson on a certain Mr. Keen that we all love and we could watch that a million times back. Um, next question here, Andy, is um, we've already talked about Jack Lundstrom and Tillman. Um, say they're not 100% fit. Say they, Bill alluded to it in his press conference, he says he feels that he might get a couple of knocks at the door um, saying, you know, I've, I'm fit, fit, I'm ready for it. Um would you play any of these guys uh, at sort of 80%, 70% fitness or, or, or would you just not risk them at all in a game like this? Lundstrom being the one in particular, I think he's maybe the one that out of the three that may be back 
um, before. Um, given that we all love him, we've seen him what what he did when uh, in the old firm game at Hamden before when <laughs> when Bassey was was going over and he absolutely snapped at him. We need players like that in old firm games because it, it becomes a bit more at times than ability. It's about it's about the mentality. Um, would you risk these guys in a game like that? Um, yes, Lundstrom. Yes, I would. I, de- I definitely would. Um, Michael Beale will have a number in mind. Um, X percentage fit. Is it worth flinging him in there? Um, he's, he's basically made it known that the league is probably out of his reach. And he's mentioned that a few times now that it's nine points of a difference. It's the same as it was. He hasn't cut it, but that's because of the form of both teams. Um, it's been absolutely identical. So I think, yes, he will. He should and will risk um, like Sir Lundstrom. When it comes to the number 10, Patrick said um, Tillman. I totally agree with that. I think that would have to be 80 to 85, 90% fit. Or is it going to be Cantwell in there? Cantwell, I think, is wasted out in the in the right-hand side. And I think that's a place for Sakala anyway. The front three will be Sakala, Kent, Morelos. It's as simple as that. Um, so the number 10 is either Tillman, Cantwell or Hadges. And if it's not Tillman, it will be Cantwell. So there will be a number in mind. And I think Tillman will be high, a higher percent than, than John Lundstrom. But I think it's very important that you get John Lundstrom onto that park. However, if you do play a 70% fit John Lundstrom and it doesn't work, that's the that's the sword that he lives and dies by. But I think it is probably going to be worth the risk. And as you say, it's worth the mentality with it. Okay, there will be there will be some good football on show. The two top teams in Scotland are playing a cup final, so there will be good football on show. But the mentality matters sometimes more. And John Lundstrom will put a tackle in that will get the crowd going and get the team going. Um, and I think we went 1-0 down in the semi-final last year. He was very heavily involved. And then shortly after, Arfield scored. And then the rest, we, we all know. So I think it's quite important to get Lundstrom as close to fitness as possible. And I think there will be a number and Michael Beale will go with it. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. A lot of people are agreeing with what Thomas H is here saying. They're saying they hope it's Jack um, Raskin and, and Tillman. Um, I, I, it's between Tillman and, and Lundstrom for me. Uh, Jack and uh, Lundstrom for me. Um, I, I think we've got to have one of the two of them. We know Jack loves a, a, a goal <laughs> at Hamden anyway, so for that reason alone, I'd be sticking him in there. Um, so Patrick, would you rule, rule Kamara out altogether then, Kyle? <sighs> unless necessary? Yeah, unless it's yeah. absolutely necessary. I, I don't think I'd be going and, and, and starting Kamara okay. in a game like that. As, as you said, it's just if, if we were guaranteed to get... Um, Hearts Kamara uh, or Tynecastle Kamara, as, as you called them, um, I would I would have no hesitation in, in, in starting them at all. But in games like this, more often than not, I'm saying I don't think Rangers need to play with two defensive midfield players. Uh, a game of this magnitude, I think we are a bit more suited to, to having two like that. And even at that, as, as Patrick said, Raskin's not. He is defensively minded, but he's he's he plays that that ball yeah. forward. Um, quickly, um, I asked this exact same question to you, Patrick. Um, would you be risking? The, I've, I've no idea the metrics. See, when I say that seventy percent fit, eighty percent fit, I've no idea how you would how you would measure that at all. But um, say these guys aren't one hundred percent fit. Would would you um, would you risk them in a game like this? It depends. But someone like Tillman, if he's less than eighty percent fit, I keep him from the bench because he can come on and sort of provide a burst. I think with Lundstrom, he lives and dies by his ability to cover the pitch. So if he's less than 80%, I just wouldn't risk it. I also think the fact that you're also sort of dyna- also leveraging risk in the fact that he's been quite inconsistent recently. He's had some great games, hearts away. Lundstrom was great, but he's also had some games which he's been really poor. 
And it's almost like a myopic style in which it's a lot of his passes would then lead to one of our players getting yellow carded. I think there was a running tally in which that's like six or seven times this season. He's played a pass and it's been misplaced and someone else has got a yellow card. But I do understand the fact that regardless of whether Lundstrom comes with a good application of his technical ability, he will try. And I guess a lot of people like that because they want to see um, from their football team what they would do. If they were on the pitch, they'd run their heart out. So they like to see the fact that someone is visibly running about and doing that. But I do think if Lundstrom is at 100%, I think a lot of the charm for him, especially in the game like this, especially vis-a-vis someone like Kamara, who's more uh, technically uh, sort of applicable in this situation. And even Jack, I think, has a better skill set than Lundstrom. But so if Lundstrom isn't able to sort of extrude his peak efficacy and fitness, which is probably what is his greatest thing, his biggest calling card in this situation, and he pointed out really well, uh, the semi-final last year in April, he was pretty much everywhere. And that was largely down to his sort of iron lungs at that time. So with Lundstrom, more importantly than Tillman, I think if he's not at least this sort of arbitrary 90% football manager green bar for fitness, I, I wouldn't play him because I think he loses a lot of his charm. But for Tillman as well, if he's not 100% fit, I just leave him on the bench and sub him on when needs to be because he's probably one of those players sort of long-term. And um, if he comes on, there's a long-term injury, he might be a bit miffed with how he's been dealt with the injury sort of stuff and his fitness, mm-hmm. and that might put him off it, extending, let's say, when, when the load ends. I think we need to have sort of kiddie gloves in the fact that we need to appease him as much as possible on the basis of hopefully luring him here permanently in the summer. Yeah, totally agree with that. It's I'd be a bit more confident about playing guys that had niggles and stuff like that if, if the Hamden pitch wasn't such a cow field, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, it was interesting sort of seeing it in the background of some of the, 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 the shots from the press conference yesterday, um, but it just it, it didn't look much better than what it was for the, for the semi-final against Aberdeen. At least we are going playing on it um, and it will be the same for both teams. That is the best thing I can say about it. Um, we're coming up for the hour mark, so we will wrap up shortly. Um, Andy, there's one last few point about, about the midfield I'd like to come on to, and it's who do you think will play in that sort of, of number 10 role, do you, or who your preference would be? Um, a couple of names, obviously we've talked about it. If Talman's fit, I think he would be my choice um, for, for sitting in there. Um, but we know Cantwell's played. He seems to have sort of been developing quite a good relationship with um, Raskin. I've seen a bit of bromance on, on Instagram between the two of them. Um, but, uh, yeah, who do you see sitting in that sort of a, a bit more advanced position in the midfield? Hey, I think Tillman. I think I would like to see Tillman in there. Um, a very good friend of mine. Shouldn't he be an ex-friend of mine? Doesn't rate Malik Tillman. He says he goes missing in the big games against Celtic and things like that, you know. And um, it's, it's going to come to blows very shortly. He'll know exactly who I'm talking about if he is watching. Um, I do rate him. I think he's he's fantastic. He's, he, we're going to we're going to need somebody with his creativity. I think his drive, his um, composure. That said, if he was a wee bit more composed, we would have won the the game in January three one. If he just pulled the trigger a fraction earlier. So I think Tillman, and if it's not Tillman, it's going to be Cantwell. I think it's probably came too soon for Hadji. Um, he's building himself back up to fitness and he's definitely going to be a Rangers player and a good Rangers player in the future. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this one's came too early. So I think it will be Tillman or Cantwell and heading a vice, Tillman. Yeah, and uh, final question to you, Patrick. Who, who would you have sitting in, in the sort of 
advanced midfield role for, for Rangers. Do you, do you agree with Andy that if, if Tillman's fit, it's got to be Tillman? Or or do you think it's a bit more fluid than that? And I'll, I'll chuck out Hadji there as well. I know he's not 100% fit, but would you even expect to see him being involved at all at the weekend? Yeah, maybe on the bench. Uh, I mean, uh, hopefully, I, I like Hadji, but hopefully he doesn't play on the best side. He's probably not fit. So I want to rush him into a massive game, and I would hope Tillman plays the 90. Albeit that doesn't look likely just from the fact that he still isn't training. So if he's going to play, I, I doubt he plays a full part. But yeah, I think it's pretty simple. If, if Tillman's fit, he plays. If not, I guess Cantwell centrally. Um, if you could also give Kent a free roll and play two strikers in like a 4-3-1-2, sort of limit the width, but then you also lose the sort of sort of efficacy of Sakala off the wing. But no, I think it's a pretty simple example. You, you play the guy who's in form and, and probably the best player in our team at, at, at current. So yeah, I think Tillman plays if fit. Yeah, um, and look before we go, uh, I'll maybe just ask ask the Perrys for for a wee predicted lineup. Um, I'll start I'll start with you first, Patrick. If um, if everybody's fit, who who are you packing? Yeah, I mean goalkeeper. I, I don't really care. Just you know, <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't matter at this point. Probably McGregor. Just not the fact that he still has the sort of shot stopping. For all his deficiencies, he is the one who's more likely to pull off the sort of fingertip in the ninety first minute. And McLaughlin really has lost all ability outside of that, which is really sad. Um, but so McGregor, I guess, um, Tav, Goldson, Davies, Barisic, quite kind of obvious. Um, then I, I would play in an ideal world Kamara, Raskin, Tillman, then Sakala, mm-hmm. Ken, and then Morelos up top. That's that's interesting. Um, and yourself, Andy, who, who would you be picking if, if, if I released that, presumably? Um, McGregor, definitely in goals. It's not a game for McLaughlin. Um, you same back four as, as as Patrick and every other Rangers fan on planet Earth, I would imagine. Um, I would go with Raskin, Lundstrom, and Tillman, with Kent, Sakala, and Morelos. But I will add a wee thing beyond that and say roof off the bench for the winner. Oh, honestly, I'd I'd love absolutely nothing more than that. Yeah, I'm pretty much in, in agreement with with your team there. Um, I'd have McGregor and goals, normal back four. Uh, I'd have uh, Lundstrom, Raskin, Sakala, Tillman, Kent, Morelos. Have I just agreed with Shug? Oh, no. I think I have, hasn't I? I was saying that as a so so like, I think we'll need to. I think we've got. Just resign. We'll resign. Yeah, yeah, there's some big questions we've got to ask ourselves here. But straight, straight to the manager's office tomorrow morning, Andy, you and I. Um, look, I just want to say thank you to everybody for joining us. Um, the battle fever is is very much on. The nerves will I'll start to kick in in the next few days, I'm, I'm sure. Um, as always, if you haven't already, just give us a, a like and subscribe. And it means you can get notified whenever we're going live. Um, I believe this week we will do a, a wee special podcast at half eight on Friday. Friday, um, because it because it is a League Cup final. Um, cheers, Craig, that's that's hosting that one. Um, and just want to say thanks, thanks to my guests. So thanks for joining us tonight, Andy. Anytime, pleasure. And Patrick, thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, thank you very much. Cool. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you all again soon. Podcast Network.
Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.